Star Wars 7x7 episode 2459. Today, it's the second half of my conversation with January Lavoie, most recently of the audiobook narration of Victory's Price. Punch it. I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So here again is the deal with January, an audiophile magazine, golden voice since May of 2019. January has an extensive body of work in both narration and commercial voiceover. With hundreds of audiobook titles to her credit, she has received more than 30 earphones awards, 18 audio award nominations, including seven wins, and was named Publishers Weekly's Audiobook Narrator of the Year for 2013. Her voice has been heard in national campaigns for products such as Revlon, Toll House, United Healthcare, Dannon, Asthma.com, Home Depot, and Obama for America. So the conversation is going to pick up where we left off yesterday, talking about the athleticism and the energy that it takes to deliver an audiobook narration. And from there, the conversation is going to turn, at least it was from my perspective, unexpectedly serious. And I don't think January necessarily walked into this conversation thinking it was going to go this way either. But the question that I posed to her was along the lines of, how are Star Wars audiobook narration projects different from any other audiobook narration project into which she enters? And the things that she shares as part of her answer are things that she said she hasn't shared anywhere else. And it's important stuff. And so I hope you enjoy it. I hope that there is something that you will find useful in this conversation, if not for yourself, then for friends and fans that you know, and I'll leave it at that for the moment. So right now, let's jump right back into the conversation with January Lavoie, audiobook narrator extraordinaire, and most recently of the finale in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, Victory's Price. Yeah, and you know, you're not the first person on this podcast to talk about the narration process as athletic. I believe it was Mark Thompson who mm. at some point said that he will break into a sweat in the recording booth mm-hmm. because of the effort he puts in. And I don't think that, I think you're absolutely right that people might not expect the work of narration to be a taxing process to some degree. It's just, you know, for some people it's just, oh yeah, they just sit in a booth and read. But there is a lot of energy that you have to bring to it as a performer and also even just the mental energy of keeping the narrative going, but also between switching from character to character and just, you know, so much of athletics even in general is mental to begin with. And I mm-hmm. I think that it, it must be the same for narration. It's wonderful to hear that from you as well. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I always thought it would might I always thought it would be a cool thing at a con sometime to put me or Mark or Jonathan Davis in a booth and mm-hmm. have people be able to watch us narrate because mm-hmm. I think it doesn't look anything like what people think it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would just be kind of a fun thing for people to see. 
I think that would be fun. I also think it might be a little weird for you. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that we, you know, if you're in a recording studio, you are always under glass. There's a glass window where, you know, your engineer and your director are sitting on the other side and watching. And so it's not really, you do sort of feel like a bit of a goldfish all the time. <laughs> you know, sometimes people come in, somebody else will come into the room and leave and, you know, everything's soundproof. So those things are kind of occurring. So mm-hmm. I don't know that it would be that weird because I'm definitely <laughs> used to being watched. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, all right. Note for the Celebration 22 organizers, then. (laughs) Um, So this is also a question that you've touched on a little bit, too. Um, But the fact that you've narrated more than 200 audiobooks across a wide range of genres, you know, you've talked about how Star Wars is particularly joyful for you when you get to do it. Um, Is there something that's different about narrating Star Wars books for you, whether it's your own emotion or whether it's process related, um, that's different for narrating for anything else? Well, I mean, tremendous fan expectations. (laughs) It's definitely different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I do, I do a lot of best-selling series, um, you know, sort of in literary genres, you know, James Patterson and Mary Higgins Clark and Mm. lots of different, very, very famous Nora Roberts authors. But of course, the Star Wars fandom is different. (laughs) Um, Oh, goodness. And it's, it's, you know, I don't, it's really actually, I I have to say to you, it's really nice when folks like you reach out to participate in stuff like this, because we'll just be really honest here, because this is, this is the moment, right? Mm. Um, I don't read anything on the internet about my own work because a few years ago um, I stumbled across a page that someone had made um, about me being a part of, you know, the star Wars universe. And um, it was a very ugly page about um, my being a black woman and being part of this um community and you know we don't need to get into like everything from gamergate to everything else but the fact of the matter is um it's not always a safe welcoming space for every person who wants to be a part of it and i'm lucky that i am old enough and had been you know in various ways enough of a public figure with my you know stage and television work in addition to my audio work that i could sort of just decide to ignore the fact that this page existed. And then a couple of years later, by accident, was Googling something, looking for something that I had done a couple of years earlier and pop the same person, same similar page popped up again. Um, and at that point I made my, um, I made my Twitter feed private um, because they had been going all the way back through my old tweets and, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm an artist. Um, I'm politically passionate. And I don't think that any of those things should preclude someone being able to participate in this very special and amazing universe. Um, and so I guess what I'll say is just that when we see people in our community, and by that, I mean like this fan community or any fan community that, sort of directly violate the sort of principle of why we all love the thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um 
you know, I think it's important that we show support to all of the people who make up this, this larger community. Um, and that was a real challenge for me. And I had a moment where I thought, gosh, you know, do I want to stop doing these books? Um, because I don't want to be a target for someone's ire that really obviously clearly has nothing to do with me, right? This person doesn't know me. They don't know anything about me. They don't know what I'm about. They're just bothered that a a certain type of person has been given entree into this universe. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And then I thought about it and I thought, no, what I'll do is turn off their ability to reach me, Mm -hmm. but I won't stop being a part of this community that, like I said, you know, setting foot inside that convention center during celebration for the first time was like a homecoming for me. You know, I was born two years before Star Wars came out. So it's been my whole life. It's been a part of, you know, the landscape of my whole life. Um, So yeah, it's, it can be a real challenge. Um, And I just appreciate, I appreciate the support of folks who reinforce for me that this is a place where I belong and people like me belong. It's, I mean, you don't need me to tell you that you belong, but I'll be <laughs> one voice among many to say, of course you do. And I'm so sorry and I'm so grateful for your honesty and your openness. And I wonder if I might continue down that road just one or two more steps and say, sure. because as I've seen um, people having difficulties being part of the fandom for very similar reasons to those that you expressed, do you have any advice as somebody who has been through this and who has been able to take proactive steps to continue your participation in this? Do you have any uh, particular advice that you would like to share um, that you know you found to be helpful? Obviously, controlling the way that people are able to interact with you would be one of those things. Uh, is there anything else? Yeah, you know, I think it's really important that you not let people take your joy. Um, And for me, it's really, you know, when I look at this thing that this person made and spent so much time on, it's just inconceivable to me that anybody would be in any way willing to go through all my old boring tweets. But but that um, that person in a sense is not a part of this community for me, right? Like that person Mm -hmm. is trying to create actually a different kind of community because this community is one we all know we belong in. We all, we all experience our own joy or creativity or excitement, anticipation. You know, it's all positive emotions that draw us together. Mm -hmm. So somebody who is trying to marginalize or harm or in this person's case, like get a bunch of other people together to, you know, pile on and cause harm and say mean things Mm -hmm. to someone like me, isn't actually a part of this community. This community is defined by its, by its joy. Um, And so to make sure that you are not giving a person like that power by, by including them in this community, we get to choose who, you know, we we get to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) You're not a part of my fandom. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go, if that's what you want to do, you go do it over there. I right. can't control what you do. I can't keep you from consuming the content because it's out there for all of us. But I don't have to, I don't have to live in a world where you define my community. Mm. Um, and that can be hard, especially if you're younger, especially, you know, the more marginalized of a community that you come from. But it's also like, 
speak it and talk to your friends about it who you can trust. Um, I don't, most people who are part of this fandom don't exist in a vacuum, right? We have other people we geek out with about everything or talk about it and don't feel like you're going to bum your friends out. If you have this kind of negative experience of someone trying to marginalize you out of this community, tell your friends, they're going to tell you just like you did for me just now, (laughs) they're going to reinforce for you how much you belong. And it matters. I think it matters to be able to hear it. It really does. So don't keep it inside as like a secret shame or, you know, something that you don't want to sound like you're, you know, complaining or being a baby about something that somebody said to, you No, tell people, they'll remind you, they'll remind you how much you belong. And they'll remind you what you love about this whole experience in the first place and what, you know, what's really worth paying attention to and focusing on. That's right. That's totally right. Hmm. Well, I have one more question for you. And it's a question that I, uh, I asked a number of people when I was at the last Star Wars celebration at Celebration Chicago. It's sort of an open-ended question, and it was inspired by Oprah Winfrey and um, how she you know, would write the essay at the back of her magazine while it was still going and talk about what she knows for sure. And so any answer is a perfect answer. Basically, <laughs> it's when it comes to Star Wars, what do you know for sure? Mm. I think what I know for sure is that It's not inevitable that we get there. Like, part of why we love it, right, is because we 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 imagine it as part of our journey, mm-hmm. part of our future continuum, that someday we're going to get there. And I believe that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't but it's not inevitable. We it is incumbent on us to keep pushing ourselves toward discovery, toward higher goals. I mean, literally higher, like out there, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, when we think about the force or when we think about all of these things that, that draw us to this, this notion of there being more than just our kind of earthbound, pedestrian day-to-day life that we we feel we live now it's not going to happen without all of us devoting at least some of our time to moving forward and inventing and taking risks and dreaming we have to just keep dreaming it um so i believe i believe it's out there in our future but we can't take it for granted we have to participate. Um, so that's what I think I know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what a remarkable answer. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, for anybody who wants to keep up with what's going on in your world, I know you talked about protected tweets, but <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I'm sure, you know, there are, of course, you know, thousands upon thousands of fans of your work out there who would love to know what's happening next with you. So where should they be paying attention uh, to find out more about what's going on in your world? 
Yeah, well, actually, um, my tweets are protected, but I do screen pretty um, closely who I accept as followers. And I do accept followers, particularly from Star Wars fandom, because I know folks are out there. (laughs) Um, So you can always um, hit me up on Twitter. It's just January, J-U-S-T-J-A-N-U-A-R-Y. Um, I'm terrible at keeping my website updated, but there is a website, <laughs> JanuaryLavoy.com, and usually when something super exciting is happening, I'm better at updating it. Um, but yeah, it's Twitter's usually the best because um, you know Penguin Random House and Lucas are so great about um, doing um, promos on there when when new stuff rolls out. So yeah, and uh, I I just am very 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 grateful as I said before, to be a part of this community that I, I know I belong to. (laughs) So thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm so grateful for you taking the time out of your schedule to be able to talk with me. January Lavoie, narrator of Victory's Price and dozens of other Star Wars titles and hundreds of other (laughs) non-Star Wars titles. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here with me and being so, you know, open and honest and wonderful today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stay safe. You too. All right, that's going to do it for my conversation with January Lavoie, the narrator of Victory's Price, which is the final novel in Alexander Freed's Alphabet Squadron trilogy. And as I said at the beginning, her words in this interview were, you know, unexpected but powerful and poignant and pertinent, unfortunately pertinent in our current day and age right now. And if you needed to hear them or you know someone who needs to hear what she has to say, then I hope that you will say something that you will share as needed because, you know, we are all in this together. We are here to support each other and reinforce each other and lift each other up. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.